everyone. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday. It's December 14th. It's 2020. And we're here with the Week 14 NFL Review Podcast. I'm joined by my good buddy, Blenderhead, Jordan Cooper. How are you doing, my friend? Not awful. It, was, it wasn't horrible, but I mean, it could have, it could have been worse. Uh, the, the, the DF gods, the DFS gods are giving me karma for a uh, for for the big win in October by just like you're gonna come you're gonna come this close in cash games and then you're gonna lose like for multiple weeks in a row. That's funny. Um, listen, I got I got carried by a couple tournament lineups this week, so um, you know that's always that's always a good thing. And I, I guess um, I I decided like this week because I wasn't gonna play like Devonte Adams on my main team that it was a good week to kind of just fade double ups um, because I thought it was an amazing spot for him. And I was trying to create leverage um, with Aaron Jones. So I, I, I ended up not playing a ton of cash games this week. So I mostly played single entry and three entry max and run. I ran out of 20 entry max script more of just because I was doing um, the lineup HQ show on Saturday, but I was really focused on like single entry and uh three entry max stuff this week because I, I, Jordan, like it was a week that I felt like there was leverage everywhere. Um, like nobody was running back McKisnick with like San Francisco players. Um, I love Jonathan Taylor. He wasn't getting a lot of love because so much news opened up at running back. So we'll get into it more when we talk tournaments. But, you know, we always start with cash games. I just wanted to start off by saying like I did not build like a safer cash type of build main lineup this week i built like a very high leverage um tournament team this week um so like i'm not going to be much help when it comes to this i did know going into the slate that like rogers adams mckisnick and perryman were going to be very popular in cash games so uh run me down what you were looking at heading into the weekend for cash okay so uh in cash games uh, on DraftKings, obviously, we're looking through results DB. So I have uh, the the two fifty double up, the one one hundred dollar double up, the twenty five dollar double up, the five dollar double up. Obviously, if you're a serious player, you should be you should be going through these on results DB. It's free. It's on Roto Grinders, and compare what you played to what uh, other sharper people played or what the field played. And typically, the the closer you are. To, to the, the more sharper players. I mean, not everyone at the higher stakes is the sharpest of tools in the shed, but for the most part it is. So if you were on the right track and, and you didn't get there, that doesn't necessarily mean you did anything wrong. Now, if you're way off the beaten path and you didn't get there, well, then you, then you have some process problems. Okay, so uh, in cash games at quarterback, you most likely uh, were playing Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if you didn't... Uh, I mean, I guess you could have played Mahomes. Some people played Herbert, but uh, but Rodgers was the de facto quarterback chalk. You could have paid up. Uh, there weren't that many quarterbacks to pay down for. Uh, some people took a shot in Jalen Hurts, and you got there, which which is fine. A fifty one hundred dollar running quarterback is is absolutely in play. The question is, it's his first start in the NFL. Are you willing to take that risk? Because he could have easily gotten eight points if he did badly. So I didn't consider him in cash games, but I don't think you're nuts if you did. Uh, I'm going to go through the wide receiver position first because the running back position was actually the more interesting position on this slate. Uh, at wide receiver, you if you paid up, you played Devontae Adams. If you played Tyreek Hill, if you played uh, Ridley, if you played uh, anything like feeling it up as your most expensive wide receiver – uh, that probably wasn't the, the best build. You could have played any of those guys with Devontae Adams, I guess. But Devontae Adams at 9,300 was, I mean, he was the best rejected, like almost the best rejected value on the slate, even at his high price. So you probably played him. Then at the low range, if you're going to play a, a cheap receiver, you probably played Brashad Perriman with Denzel Mims out and Jamison Crowder was questionable. Uh, but Perriman was the safer play. I mean, I know some uh, projections had Berrios if Crowder was out as as a good value, but you wouldn't have known that for the late games. So I I didn't want to risk it by by if I was going to play a cheap wide receiver by playing Berrios. Uh, 
because uh, Brandon Cooks was ruled out, uh, that increased the the target share for Kiki Cutie at five thousand. And if you wanted to play uh, Chad Hansen instead of Perriman at uh, thirty nine hundred, I thought that was that was perfectly fine as well. Same thing for Jordan Akins at the tight end position. If you play Texans in your lineup, that that as median plays that they, they, they were they were pretty they were pretty good. Then you had the Carolina receivers with DJ Moore out. So if you played Samuel at 5,200 or Robbie Anderson at 6,200, I thought those were the mid-range plays. Like them and QT were like in the mid-range that uh, if you got there. Uh, Corey Davis was an option, but he, he wasn't as appealing once uh, news came in. But I mean, if you did play Corey Davis in cash games, I mean, he only got 5.4, but I, I don't think you were wrong. I, I don't think he was optimal compared to other uh, players in that range. But if you did, I, I don't think you're an idiot. Uh, did you, and then really, really quick. Did you mention Curtis Samuel when you were going through like the wide receivers? Yeah. I just, I just uh, said the Carolina, okay. the Panthers. Wide yeah, yeah. I just, right. I, I thought that's what you said. I just wanted to, I, I wanted to clarify. Keep going. Right. And if you chose Anderson for 1000 more, you chose Sam, like either yeah. or you could have played both. If you wanted to play both, you could have played both. Of course, now yeah. you're increasing the variance of your lineup. The Panthers completely crap the bed. You're, you're in trouble. But uh, if you did play both, that's fine. Uh, the tight end position, I'll get back to running back because running back's the most interesting position. Yeah. Uh, at tight end, if you paid down, you probably played either Aikens or Logan Thomas. If you paid up, you obviously you played Travis Kelsey. I'm not necessarily sure if that was the best build to pay up at tight end. Uh, and then defense, you probably played the Cowboys or the Seahawks. But defense is defense. If you got on something else, that, that's not... You can never be completely wrong at defense. It's just, it's a very high variance position. Now at running back, we had a lot of options at running back that uh, made sense, depending on the construction of your lineup. Most likely you were taking at least one 5K or below running back. Okay, you were taking at least one. The question was, do you take one? Do you take two? Do you take three? Okay. At the low end, you had DeAndre Washington, four thousand, because uh, Gaskin was uh, ruled out on the on the COVID list, uh, playing against the Chiefs. They also had uh, Laird and McGuire active as well, and obviously in a in a poor game script uh, for Washington. Uh, I didn't play him, but I mean he, he was viable. Uh, McKissick uh, with Gibson out, perfectly fine. Uh, Duke Johnson. With David Johnson out, he was fine. If you played, uh, even if you played Gio Bernard, I, I, I put him way down on the priority list. But I mean, he was in at that range. Uh, most likely, he wouldn't be the, the the only one that you played in that range. Uh, and then you had, if you paid up, you probably played Derrick Henry at eighty seven hundred. Me personally, uh, someone that's that touchdown dependent at that salary. Uh, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. And mathematically, you know, he needs a, he needs a 75th to 80 percentile outcome to, to beat me. Uh, of course, yesterday he got that. But if I played the slate a million times, uh, most likely than not, he's not going to put up a score that is necessary. Like he got 39 points. So like he was, he was necessary. He was, he was at the point and ownership, you know, when he's like 35% in double up contests, it's going to make it very hard for you to cash without him. I mean, you could have, but it just makes it much harder. If he would have put up a, just a median game of like 24, that would have been fine. I wouldn't have, it, it, you, you wouldn't have needed Derrick Henry. So like for me, if, if, if I need to rely on the fact that he needs 200 yards and two touchdowns in order to beat me in double ups, like I'm, I'm going to bet against that every single time. And then in the mid range, you could have played Ronald Jones once Fournette was ruled out, uh, uh, playing for a 30 point total favorite. I mean, why not? And he does catch passes out of the backfield. So he was an option. Uh, you also had David Montgomery. I thought Ronald Jones was a better play than David Montgomery. David Montgomery got there with efficiency. I think he only had nine touches in the game, right? Cause they didn't even run him when they were up. Uh, but if you, if you, I, I don't think he was optimal, but if you play David Montgomery, I don't think you're nuts. Same thing for Eckler. If you played Eckler, I don't think you were nuts. Uh, it just really depended on the construction of your lineup. So my cash lineup, I scored 
And I played Rodgers at quarterback. I played Duke Johnson, J.D. McKissick, and Ronald Jones at running back. Adams at wide receiver. Robbie Anderson at wide receiver. Kiki Cutie at wide receiver. My tight end was Hayden Hurst. And my defense was the Cowboys. And uh, I set myself up so obviously I could switch. You know, late swap with the tight end. With I could go down to Logan Thomas. I could go down to, from from uh, Rogers to Stafford. Uh, Adams. I could always switch to Ridley. I, I mean, th- there were there were options for me. I was I was good going through the one p.m. games. I know I didn't have Henry, but there was enough room in double ups where if Adams put up a good enough score, thirty plus points, I would have been I would have been fine. Uh, for a lot of head to heads, that worked out. I won. 40% of my head debts, which is obviously a losing day, but it's not like, it's not a $0 day. So, so that was perfectly fine. I got, I was like four or five points off the cash line in most double ups. And uh, yeah, I, I could have always switched to DK Metcalf. I gave myself some late swap options. I could have gone down from Robbie Anderson to Curtis Samuel. And then where would that thousand taken me? Not really much. Same for Kiki QT down to Chad Hansen. Like where did that really get me? It could get me up to David Montgomery from one of the cheap running backs, but I didn't see a I didn't see a point in in doing that. Uh, some people play Aaron Jones in cash. I thought that was a bit risky uh, because you know they do give carries to Jamal Williams. So I mean, I see he got he got the fifteen ish percent ownership in cash games. I still think at that seventy six hundred, you're playing Eckler. You even you play James Robinson before Aaron Jones. I, I mean. I mean, it's it's just that the the way the Packers run their offense, like they're gonna pass a lot at the end at the at the at the goal line, and Jamal Williams is gonna get half the carries anyway. So yeah, for GPP, it was a great great leverage play, right? But but in cash games, like I didn't think that was I didn't think that was the right play at all. But uh, but yeah, so that so that's essentially, I think the cash construction. Uh, uh, Stevie, what did, what did you do in your quote main lineup? Even though you you fully admit that you were playing a GPP lineup, not not a median cash build for double ups. Um, so again, like you said, um, I knew this week, like this week, I, I felt like there was a clear like my cash lineup would have looked very close to yours. Um, very close. The only difference, I think, I would have had Jonathan Taylor in there. I, I really liked him this week, and like he was like my second highest owned guy in general. So um, my main, so I had two lineups that I really liked this week and I split them in single entry. Um, one scored 130, the other scored 193. So like, I wish I would have split it the other way because like the, the one that scored the most um, I put in the smaller, like $50 single entry and stuff like that. Um, but my main team was Herbert, with McKisnick, Taylor, and Jones. Again, I was trying to create leverage off of Adams with Aaron Jones. I knew the risk. Um, and then I went Keenan Allen with the run back on Herbert, Nelson Aguilar with the run back on Taylor, Adam Thielen as just a very different type of option, and Cole Komet with the Giants defense. I had the Cowboys defense in there, and I swapped like five minutes before a lock, rookie mistake, um, tinkering to try to be different when I was already a different enough. Um, we could talk about that a little bit. And then my other main team that I ran out there was Mahomes with Taylor, Ronald Jones, and McKisnick. And then it had um, Tyree Kill with the run back on Holmes, Nelson Aguilar with the run back on Taylor, um, Tim Patrick as like my cheap play, and Gasecki as the run back to Mahomes and Hill with Washington as my defense to pair it with McKisnick. That sounds pretty good. I mean, that sounds that- – that those lineups make sense. They're not cash lineups, but I mean, right. they, they, they make, they make absolute sense. So, I mean, I mean, and some of those, some of those players, you know, worked out. If you want to talk about GPPs, because uh, I think uh, as it, I think this was a much better GPP slate than a cash slate. A hundred percent. I thought it was interesting. I said on my stream on Saturday night that the, the predominant build was going to be barbell stars and scrubs barbell type, you know, Cheap plays and expensive plays. You know, Henry, Adams, you know, guys up there and then cheap guys in the 3K, 4K range. Uh, and I thought at the running back position that uh, that the 
less used build would use the mid-range running backs. Like people are going to go up and go and pay 7K plus for a running back and then pay like 5K minus for a running back. And that's going to be their running back spots. So like in my build uh, that I was building for, for large field tournaments, I played a ton of guys in between that. So I played Jonathan Taylor. I played David Montgomery. I played Ronald Jones. I played James Robinson. I played uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He didn't get there. Uh, I played like all the, I mean, I'm looking at the, the running back position because even if you, if you don't go up and down, you're still paying about the same price. So I'm getting different at running back and the variance for running back with the touchdowns and the committees are, are, are high. So I, I typically don't want to be on chalk running back builds. So I didn't have much Aaron Jones because I was just, I was jamming in Devontae Adams. But in that mid range, like having Mike Davis, I had like guys in the Chris Carson, right? I had a lot of Chris Carson plus Brashad Perryman. I had a lot of Mike Davis plus, uh, plus KJ Hamler. Right. I had a bunch mm-hmm. of like, I, I went really low. I had, I had drew lock stacks that did well, other than the fact that Noah Fant got injured. So I got zero at tight end. So that didn't work out. And same for Jonathan Taylor playing Jonathan Taylor and then Aguilar or Waller across from him uh, playing David Montgomery and then uh, playing uh, QT or Hanson or Duke, you know, some, some uh, a Chicago, you know, Allen Robinson with Duke Johnson, you know, like back and forth one ones of that game and based on my construction it was it was it was unique it just didn't have Derrick Henry in it so I mean <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's 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 hard to win much or it's nearly impossible to win first when you decide to just x button Derrick Henry and and not play the highest owned running back that puts up 39 points uh but I mean most I had I had flames in a lot of my running back lineups it's the wide receivers that that killed me when I'm playing, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, Adam Thielen. When I'm playing Devontae Adams with Marvin Jones, and Marvin Jones doesn't get there, like I get a snowflake in a lot of my lineups. That, like, it doesn't matter that I have like, yeah, I have Montgomery and Jonathan Taylor in the lineup with Nelson Aguilar, and uh, and but I have Duke Johnson in one of the running back spots, and now and, and a wide receiver. I have, you know, I've uh, who knows. Someone else that has a snowflake, eight points or something, you know, and you're looking at that going, okay, that's, uh, you know, 170 points, but not, not good enough to, to win a GPP. So I thought, I thought a lot of the construction based leverage was at the running back position and not necessarily wide receiver. Cause typically we see it more at the wide receiver than at running back. But I think the running back ownership was spread out enough that, uh, that if you played the mid running back build that, I, I thought I thought that that that's plus EV if we played the slate, you know, if Derrick Henry puts up 22 points, that build wins. Yeah, like, man, you, you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. So I always build a team like as I'm doing the podcast with Grant, um, the breakdown podcast on Wednesday afternoon. So I built and I always leave it in something. And so. Did you see that goat fuel contest on FanDuel this week? Uh, $3, three entry max. So I left my original build in that team, that lot, like in that contest. It finished seventh. Um, like, and it had Ezekiel Elliott. It was, it's hilarious. It finished seventh um, with Zeke in it? W- with, with Zeke so in it. Basically, yeah. you could have played virtually anyone else in that spot and won. Yeah. Like, so it had all the guys that I liked. Like, it had Gasecki, it had Nelson Aguilar, it had Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, all the guys that I talked about, like, on Wednesday. And it had a Mahomes, like, Tyree Kill build. So, um, yeah. So, like, if, if Zeke does anything, like, nobody, nobody in the top 10, um, joined me in having Zeke. So, like, if Zeke does anything, like, if Zeke you know, had like, that touchdown that Pollard was in for, yeah, you would have been yeah. fine. I would have been really close. Like, I would have finished third, but, uh, I got a case of goat fuel coming, um, so I'm, I'm pumped. What is goat fuel? What the hell even is uh, It's goat? Jerry Rice's energy drink. <laughs> so I had to search and see what it was um, because I was like, oh, all right, well. Um, so, but yeah, I just, I thought it was funny that like, you know, I, I do that every week and like, this is the first week, like that team did really well. And like, I had some really good teams on FanDuel as well. 
Um, but like it, it seemed like there was a dud. Like I scored, I finished 17th in the 50 on FanDuel as well. Um, but it had Aaron Jones. So like if I had gotten, like, like if Aaron Jones had hit instead of Adams, I probably win the $50 single entry um, over there. So like I, I felt like tournaments this week, I, I'm with you. I feel like this is much more of a tournament slate than it was a cash slate. Um, we could quickly circle back to cash games. I don't think there's anything too crazy when it came to cash this week. I feel like there were clear-cut options. Um, you were probably playing Aaron Rodgers. Um, if you weren't playing Rodgers, I could see going Herbert, Mahomes. Um, and then, like you said, if you went Hurts and just took the, the pure price savings, um, I don't think that was crazy. I do think the matchup was terrible, and he got there in a, a really hard matchup um so good for him but i do think like you probably played rogers right like isn't that what you said yeah yeah i play, I play like rogers that was that was the guy in cash this week like you look at he was 30 percent in the five dollar he was 43 percent in the 250 like sharp players were playing aaron Rodgers in cash this week and i feel like that's you wanted rogers and adams and especially like when the ronald jones news with the Fournette, like everything opened up where it was very easy to play Rodgers with Adams and cash games. Um, and, and like, I felt like that was the build you, that's where you started your build this week. Right. I mean, and you could have played Derrick Henry with both of yeah. them. The, the question is, is that you're willing to go down at so many other spots? Are you comfortable with Perriman and Chad Hansen and a pun tight end? And I mean, like it just, it was one of those things where like if Derrick Henry does not, get at least two touchdowns and 120 yards, like you're not going to need him. So that's why at 8,700, we had other running back options. Now, I'm of, of course, I'm talking with everyone knowing that Derrick Henry put up 215 yards and two touchdowns against the horrible Jaguars defense. But mathematically, like that's a that's an 80th percentile outcome. So that means it'll happen 20% of the time. You know, if, if he hits his median, which is 50% of the time, that's 24 points. It's still fine. I mean, it's still, hey, still plenty of raw points. But it, it if Derrick Henry didn't get the last touchdown, like I would have cashed in all my double ups. So like if 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 you told me before the slate, Derrick Henry needs to put up at least 32 points for me to not cash my double ups. Like, how do I not make that? How do I bet that he's going to score 32 plus points? No, I'm going to bet against that. So so I, I know the hindsight bias is like, oh, I can't believe I didn't play Derrick Henry in cash. It's like, those are the types of things I look at and go like that. If, if he gets there, I lose. Then that's, if, he, if he gets, if he gets his 80th percentile outcome, then I lose. And because at his ownership, that's what happened. I mean, Derrick Henry is very similar to what, what the cheese says about Robbie Ray in, uh, in MLB, right? Very high variance pitcher, right? Could, could walk seven guys, but he could also strike out 15. So I view Derrick Henry as like when he's, when he's chalk and GPPs, especially when he's chalk, you don't play him. And when no one's playing him, that's when you play him. So, so I, I like, I have no, I have no qualms in the world about not playing. There, there was no world in cash games yesterday that I was playing Derrick Henry. So I could have, I could look at my construction and go, could I pay down for Samuel instead of Anderson? Could I have gone up from, from this guy to that guy? But there was, there was no construction in which I was not playing Adams and I was playing Henry. And there was, I didn't feel any comfortable playing both of them in the same lineup and have to rely on four punt plays to get at least, you know, eight to 12 points in order for me to even hit that line. Cause if Derek Henry, if Derek Henry doesn't even get 20 points, like your lineup is dead. It's dead. You have guys that don't have any upside. You have, you know, you're, you're relying on Brashad Perriman to get you there. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to rely on Brashad Perriman to get me there. So, so I just, I, I just, I just want to highlight the fact that, you know, it's not that Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry projected well, even the blitz, the car, hates Derrick Henry and the blitz had him higher than like any other projection in the industry. But at 8,700, like most of his projection is touchdown oriented. So if he doesn't get the bonus and two touchdowns, like he does not pay off 8,700 at all in any way. And you'd be better off. You could find those points elsewhere for cheaper. So that's what I tried in GPP. That's exactly what I tried to do. And, I, I and for the most did. part, I got there. For the most part, I actually did get there. <laughs> It's just that I had a snowflake snack stacks and, you know, the, the lineups with some Noah Fant in my tight end spot. And it's like, okay, well, that lineup's dead. You know, like it was one of those types of things. I, I actually did fairly well 
at the running back position in most of my lineups, uh, not my Zeke lineups, but most of my lineups, it was the, it was, the, you know, having too much Thielen or Marvin Jones and those types of guys kind of in the mid range, Corey Davis in certain spots, like that, like kind of, they kind of killed, you know, individually killed most of my lineups. Yeah. Like, you know, even if you look at like tight end from this past weekend in cash games, I feel like there were five to eight tight ends you could have played that nobody really could have argued. Like if you wanted to go up, you could go up for Kelsey. Um, you could go up for Waller. You could pay down and go Thomas, Akins, Komet. Um, you know, any of those guys were Robert Toynian. Like any of those guys were viable in cash this week. So I don't think there was craziness. Um, I think it was a, a week in, in cash games that like, defense was very clear you were going Cowboys or Seahawks like it was very clear that because of the pricing on the slate as far as defense goes it was very clear where you were going at defense this week so um, and then you named off a lot of wide receivers there were there were 15 to 20 guys you could have played in cash games this week but like Adams needed to be in there uh, let's move it over and talk tournaments I love this slate for tournaments I did the Sunday morning show um, with Tambo and like that's a fun show i've never done it before and like we did lineup hq and we talked about it and like i had already built my script um before the show and like as i was building jordan i was like you know there's going to be so many people that play certain parts of games and don't run it back and i opened up results db this morning and i was like oh i'm so right like it was crazy to see if we look at general ownership, how many people played McKisnick without any runbacks? Like this is the guy that was the, what was he? Fourth highest owned on average in tournaments this week. And nobody ran it back at all. Like you look and I had to go way down here. Hold on. It's like, um, Ayuk was 5% owned and the Washington defense was 5% owned. So 10% of McKisnick's 20 to 25% was run back. So many people played JD McKisnick without running it back. And I called it Sunday morning on the show. I said, everybody's going to play JD McKisnick without running it back. And that's a huge mistake. And it, what's funny is McKisnick didn't really get there. He didn't do bad. He didn't get there. But like his his runbacks did. Washington defense did fantastic. Ayuk did fantastic. Like so, if you ran it back, you actually did really well. Yeah, I mean, I I, t- I mean, I take a look at a lot of the the plays on, on on this slate with the the lack of correlation. But also, I think based on what I'm looking at in comparison to the higher stakes versus lower stakes is news oriented. We don't talk oh, yeah. about this a lot. But in the lower stakes contests, I'm more likely, and I believe you should be more likely to jam in late news versus the higher stakes, okay? Late news meaning news that comes in at like maybe Friday night forward, okay? Because lower stakes players, more casual players don't don't take notice to it or don't adjust their lineups because of it. I, I mean, the closer to lock, the news is in the more you should jam it just based on just based on ownership so for instance uh we take a look at ronald jones like ronald jones was just a middling like you could have played him like before like 11:30 eastern but once fournette was inactive like that boosted ronald jones's projection and made him a better play in the large millie in the high stakes millie he was 25% owned in the play action, he was 10% owned. So, like, at 25% owned, I think that's efficient. Like, uh, you didn't gain anything by play. I mean, it was fine. It was a good play. It was, a, right, it was fine. But I'm just saying from a relative value standpoint of, you know, getting leverage, like, you didn't gain much because, you know, higher stakes players noticed that and started building. You know, I didn't have any Ronald Jones in any of my 110 lineups at 1130 in the morning on Sunday. I ended up with 23% of them because... I'm going in and I'm taking out Zeke and putting him in. I'm taking out Montgomery and putting him in. I'm taking out all my mid-range. I'm like, I need to spread out more of my mid-range running back uh, in my lineups. So we see that. We see uh, DeAndre Washington with Gaskin on the COVID list on Saturday. In the high stakes, Millie, he was 20% owned, but in the play action, he was 9% owned. 
Okay. We see the Kiki Cutie and Chad Hansen. You know, about 12% owned in the high stakes, Millie. They were seven, they were seven to nine percent owned in the play action. Duke Johnson was, I mean, the reason I played a bunch of Duke Johnson is because I thought people are going to go to QT and Hanson and Aikens and I'm like, Duke Johnson can get passes out of the backfield. Yes, it's not as often as Texans type of offense, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if, do I rely on DeAndre Washington or do I rely on Duke Johnson? I know Duke Johnson is going to be on the field 95% of the time and it's good leverage. So I played more of him. I know he only got 8.9 points, but uh, but the Texans in general didn't all, do all that well anyway. But this late news type of stuff, right? Like even Berrios, like Berrios was only 2% owned in the play action. He was he was 10% owned in the high higher stakes with Crowder possibly being fake active, right? Because he was active and he ended up he ended up playing. And then of course Berrios came in for enough snaps that you know he got some points. But you see very often that any type of news like that past Friday night, not talking about Tuesday or Wednesday, because that's typically on Tuesday and Wednesday, if anything happens, it's reflected in the content that people are reading and the shows people are listening to. So if you, li- if you listen to RG shows, you know, uh, the ASA show that I do, or, or the OGs, or the preview show, or, or any of the premium shows, the Tournament Takes podcast, like... Those are all made on like by Friday morning. So like, like no one's going to be talking about DeAndre Washington. No one's going to be talking about uh, you know, Chad Hansen or anything. No one's going to be talking about any of that because that news isn't even in. Like you would not, you, if Gaskin was playing, you, no one would play DeAndre Washington, right? If Cooks was in, you know, Hansen and Cootie's ownership would have plummeted. Like those types of things. But once Friday night comes around, there isn't that much more content that people consume that, you know, they're, they're reading articles, not just on Roto-Grinders, just in general. It could be the USA Today. Who knows what they're reading? Uh, it's, all, it's all written before this news comes out. So it's hard for a lot of people to adjust based on that news. And it's going to happen uh, easier. People are going to adjust more so at the higher stakes that use projection models and are much more attentive because they're putting a lot more money in play. This is what they kind of do for a living. Right. Or, or at least in a serious manner for a side income. But at the lower stakes, you know, there are probably plenty of people didn't even realize. I mean, I could probably go in and I could see. Uh, I mean, Miles Gaskin in the play action was 0.34 percent owned. Now, it sounds like, oh, he's barely owned. But I mean, take that off the rake. I mean, he gets zero. So, I mean, Brandon Cooks was 0.22 percent owned. Right. If we add up some of these injured players, it gets that, you know, you eliminate the rake by one or two percent. And that's nice, especially in contests that have 15 percent rake in it. But if people are only if, if at the lower stakes, especially if people are going to adjust by just taking out Brandon Cooks out of their lineup or just taking Miles Gaskin out of their lineup. It's very similar to NBA where people are like, oh, I never late swap only if a player gets injured. It's like, no, well, if a player gets injured, that changes the whole dynamic of the game. And maybe you should be playing other players, not just the guy that fills in for him, but like, how does that affect the slate? So at the lower stakes, it doesn't happen as much. So I'm more likely, since I do play the large field, lower stakes contests, like the slant, like the play action, those types of things, I'm much more likely to say, well, Ronald Jones is, I'm jam him in because I'm going to get him at such lower ownership than I would at high stakes that it makes it a much more profitable play regardless of what happened, regardless of the outcome. So I think by default, if, if you had, if you adopted in any sport, this is not just NFL, NBA also. And if something happens at 10 minutes before lock, like I'm more likely to jam it than to like, oh, okay, I could throw them in in some only because I know that in the lower stakes contests that people don't react quickly. So yeah, sometimes sometimes you overreact to news and that happens, right? You go, oh, that really wasn't that big of a deal. And but the times that it is a big deal, you're gonna gain so much leverage off of so much more of the field in the lower stakes that that if you had that mindset of by default, if there's anything that happens at 1130, anything that happens Saturday afternoon, if we get a midnight Schefter tweet that says that some guy is is out that we weren't expected to be out. Be more inclined to say, well, who benefits in that in that case and play double the amount that you would have normally 
at the lower stakes. At the higher stakes, it doesn't doesn't give you enough of an edge because more more people react to it. Listen, you named all those podcasts, and the morning grind that is out on Wednesday was talking about Chad Hansen. So, um, <laughs> well, Chad Hansen, bust- I think, was in play regardless because of Will Fuller being out or whatever. Yeah, I just wanted to bust you, um, bust bust your balls a little bit. But but- cutie at five thousand wouldn't have been as as great of a you know projected play without right. Cook's target share being gone. Um, before before we get out of here, I do want to point out like the biggest thing that stood out to me in projected ownership this week and even looking at it in results DB today was, and like, you don't always have to run it back, but like it, we, we talk about it so much that like, if there's going to be a chalk stack, we had a clear cut chalk stack this week, green Bay Packers. Um, everybody wanted to play green Bay. Everybody wanted to play Adams. Everybody wanted to play Aaron Rodgers. I am shocked that, like Aaron Jones got as much leverage as he did. Um, we didn't project him to have that much um, ownership. But what's crazy to me is where the Lions, where's the Lions? Where's the Lions? Like even in projected ownership, like Marvin Jones was projected at like 5.1%. Uh, Swift was really low. Amendola was really low. Um, so like if you wanted Adams and Rogers to get their ceiling who was going to do it on Detroit? Um, and like, you just look and like, I was trying to see like who the first like Detroit player was. Um, Hawkinson, Hawkinson was like six or 7% in higher stakes and like 4% in the play action. Amendola was sub Amendola who I had like 10% of because I obviously, I correlate my lineups more. Amendola was sub 1% in the, in the, in the Millie 0.81%. I mean, like even Sanu, like if you wanted to play Sanu, that was like 1%. Like, like, it's I, I just, just... like if anything, Hawkinson, I could under, like to me, if, you, if you're like, well, I don't want to fill up a receiver spot. I don't want to play Marvin Jones, like play Hawkins. I mean, at least he fills a tight end spot that, that you could use. So I had, I, I mean, I had a ton. I mean, I also had tons of Stafford stacks. So I played it. The, I tried playing the chalk game the opposite way. Stafford, Jones, Hawkinson. Stafford, Amendola, Hawk, and, you know, some combination of those three, either three plus one, two plus one, and then play Adams on the other side. So, like, now Stafford gives me as many points as Rodgers for $1,800 less, and I still get Adams points. I still get his 35 to 40 points when I, when Rodgers goes off, and then I still, and I obviously get Jones, Hawkinson, Amendola, stuff like that. It didn't work out, sure, but with that at that ownership like my stafford stacks plus adams like i was playing the chalkiest wide receiver yet i already have enough leverage in my lineup for like for large field contests like i'm done like once i play stafford jones hawkinson adams like just jamming the chalk at that point i mean because i just look at the projected ownership and go like well jones is like four or five percent hawkinson's five percent stafford's two percent adams yeah adams sure he's 30 percent. but then like what do i care now about like, do I, do I need to, do I need to play like super contrarian in any of the other spots? No. So now I'm putting in, I'm putting in my, my uh, David Montgomery plus something. I mean, now, now I don't have to worry that much about ownership in those lineups and just, you know, play the best projected plays. Well, did you see the, the one that won the million, the $20 million maker? Um, oh, had... don't get me stuck. Oh, that, 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 I don't know. I don't know how you put that lineup together, but whatever. But at least double, had a little double bit tight of end and the, the, I mean, what it's a it, that's the point of the Millie. It's 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 it has so many entries in it yeah. that you could bang your head against the keyboard and get lucky. I mean, it's it, it the winning. That's why I never say the study the winning Millie lineup. Study right. the top players or to, st- at least study the top point one percent of lineups, right? Because you can take a look at the second uh, some of the lineups in the top ten and go. Wow, those are those are really well constructed lineups. If they just got two more points, they would have been the winning lineup. So, like, it just because someone could bang their head against the keyboard and and come up with a winning team doesn't mean that there's like no stress that that there every lineup is equal to one another. No, the reason why you correlate, the reason why you gain leverage is to increase the probability of you winning. Doesn't mean that it's guaranteed to win. There's still you know thirty percent, forty percent of the lineups in the milli are lineups that. Seem like people bang their head against the keyboard, and once you once you have a hundred thousand of those, like one of those, 
Someone's going to get that nine leg parlay right out of the blue. And that's going to be the winning line. There's enough lineups. When you're dealing with smaller field contests, you typically don't, you don't deal with those types of lineups. It doesn't mean that, oh, the small field contests are easier. No, they're actually harder. It's just because the skill level of the player is so much higher. But in the, in the large field stuff, it's like, no, you have to deal with the fact that, you know, good 40% of the time, the lineup that wins is a lineup that if we played this late a million times, you're going to lose on. You're going to lose money on. And just like in, in a game like poker, where, yeah, you could make a call and get a one outer and win. I mean, th- does it make it the right call? No. If you keep on doing that, you're going to lose you're going to lose all your money. And if you're the person that, that, that puts their money in good, like you're over time, you're going to make more money. So that's why, like, once you mentioned like the winner of the Millie, it's like, it's great. It's a, I, I, I have nothing to add other than like, yeah. So there's, there's, there's a hundred thousand bang your hand against your keyboard lineup. So one of them could win. Yeah, sure. Okay. I guess so. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I was close this week, like, and I, I was looking at some of like the teams that I had, like, and that were close, and like Mahomes with Hill, with Kaseki, Taylor with Aglar, um, like McKisnick with the Washington defense. Like, there was so many ways that you could get like the guys, like for me that I liked with correlation. Um, you know, Aaron Jones scores twenty points. You know, I, I have a monster week. So, like, I'm okay with that. Like, you know, all the correlation that I played, man, it was it was a close week um, to having one of those big weeks. And it's just, you look at, like, just, man, we, we talk about this every week, it feels like. But the chalk stack getting zero, like, run back is it, just, it, it, it just blows my mind that, like, we're in week 14 of the NFL season and like people are playing all these chalk options without running it back. And like, it's just like how, like even, even Derrick Henry, like he's another one that like, if you played Derrick Henry as chalk and didn't either play like the Tennessee defense or like one of the pieces on Jacksonville, like he was massive chalk. How do I be different with a guy that's going to be 25% owns? Like you'd be different with running it back with like Keelan Cole or Eifert or James Robinson. Like someone, it could be, I mean, it's not a matter of of like who it's a matter of just someone. I mean, unless you you plan on building your, the rest of your lineup as extremely contrarian, you could get contrarian by just attaching a correlated piece to the already chalk. That's what I was trying to do with Devontae Adams. It's like, okay, I don't mind Devontae Adams in this lineup because instead of playing a 5% owned player from some other game, I'm going to play a similarly projected player that's 5% owned from the same game. Like, why Why not? I mean, it, when, when all things come down to it, if the difference in the projection is a half a point and I have to give up a half a point to get the correlation of a similarly owned player, Right, I'm looking at Marvin Jones in my Adams lineups. Going, do I play Marvin Jones or do I play Corey Davis? Right, because they're a hundred apart from each other. Marvin Jones and Corey Davis projected close to each other. Corey Davis is twice actually going to be twice as I mean, fifteen percent owned. Marvin Jones is going to be five percent owned. Is there any reason I should be playing Corey Davis in a lineup with with Devontae Adams when I have Marvin Jones? There? Like, no, I'm just going to play Marvin Jones. Like. Like that that's the thing that means Stevie. That's 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 what we're talking about. It's not uh you have to do it. It's no. that if you're building lineups already that have and you're choosing between players, even if you're just hand building, like you should be thinking in those terms of of uh, well, I'm gonna play Hunter Henry in uh my Devontae Adams lineup and not TJ Hawkinson. It's like, dude, they project nearly the same. And then same similar ownership and everything. So why why not play the guy that's more correlated with your chalk player than someone that's in a completely different game? That, to me, that's the thing that doesn't make yeah. sense. It's not it's not oh what, what oh you, you can make the excuse which could be true that not many players on the other side of the game project well. And if that was the case, then at least I could understand that, right? You did some people you check the stack the Chiefs and you look at the other side of the game and go well like, none of them project well. Right. So it's like maybe I just I, I don't run it back there. But we're talking about players that like in comparison to other players you could have played, like project similarly. So 
correlate your lineups then if they, if they project similarly rather than like I need to get onesies and twosies. It's like it's so much easier exponentially to get four or five things right than it is to get nine things right, eight things right. right. So the more that you could reduce the amount of things that you could get right, the, the higher probability that you have of winning first place. Doesn't mean it, it's guaranteed. Of course not. But at least reduces. Now, you, now you're trying to win a six a six event parlay rather than a nine event parlay. But there are plenty of people that throw in lineups that are nine event parlays. And just with the, the sheer masses of them, you know, someone's going to hit. And so like you were talking earlier that you played like, I think you said 10% of Danny Amendola. He was right around the same price as Perryman, another guy that was super popular from another game. So all you had to do with your Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams stack was throw in Danny Amendola, same price range, get your three-man game stack, get off of a chalky piece that you would potentially play with it. That is what we're getting at. Jonathan Taylor was 15 to 20% owned. Nelson Aguilar was 1% to 3% owned. There's how you get your 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 non-chalk piece and if you look in nelson aguilar's price range there was i think kiki cote was in that price range um like that is what we're getting at like you can right, you're gonna play da- you play david montgomery in your yeah. lineup and then you plug in brashad perriman in that lineup and you go like why can't you play chad henson instead of the- it's the same price same price you're already playing yeah. david montgomery and david montgomery is going to be fairly enough owned so what, why are you playing another higher you're playing a, you're playing a similarly high owned Rashad Perriman when you have a literally you have a guy in the same price that that if you if you looked at projections would project about the same as Chad Hansen and Rashad Perriman at a very similar projection. Okay? So if you're playing if you're playing David Montgomery in the lineup, play Chad Hansen. If you're not playing David Montgomery in the lineup, let's say if I'm hey, I'm playing Chris Carson in my lineup. Am I playing Chad Hansen? No, I'm playing Brashad Perriman. I mean, because I'm playing a Seahawk in the line. I mean, if you have a choice between these very similarly projected players, it's not what I just want to highlight. It's not uh, you should give up 10 points in projection for the sake of correlation. We're not talking about, well, if you're going to play David Montgomery, uh, then then you should be playing you know, the name at the Fifth, Stephen Mitchell, maybe he comes off the yeah, back. the backup, the, right. the third string tight end. That's all right. We're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about players that already project similarly to one another, maybe by a point difference. Maybe you give up a point. So we're not saying that you should give up, you know, the five, 10 median points for the sake of like, well, should I play the, 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 the easiest slam dunk play at 3,900 or play a guy that's projected five points lower uh, just for the sake that he's in the same, like maybe he probably shouldn't give up five median points for for the correlation, but one, like yeah. with the variance of football, like just just do that, like that. That's well, that, we 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 talk about this every week. Really, that's what it comes down to. We're not we're not bemoaning the fact that less people correlate because they don't care about correlate. Like like just like they're unaware of it whatsoever. It's just that when the options when you have options, that's what you should be doing and when they don't have options then i understand if you don't do it well it's like curtis samuel and robbie anderson this week you had hamler you had tim patrick they're all in that like price range of the chalky cheap wide receivers um it's not always going to work then like we know that going in but it's gonna it's gonna hit at a higher profit margin when it does work than when it does, when like you're just playing a bunch of chalk teams and chalk players, chalk one offs, like chalk one offs is the worst way to finish in the cash and not finish in the top one percent or whatever. Um, right, you'll whatever. cash more often. Right, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll cash you'll, more often. Like right, if that's what you're trying to do, sure. Get you 2X, like, but but if you're sitting there and you've been playing NFL DFS for the past three or four years and you're like, I haven't come in top ten ever in any large field contest, it's it's likely because you're playing too chalky lines. Yeah. Or, or you're just, or you're correlating and, and then your, your, your non-correlated parts are like chalk one-offs. Like you, you played a bunch of correlations with say you played Adams and Rogers, and then you like played one-offs of Perryman and McKisnick, like you're playing chalk one-offs. And that's just not like, even if you win with that lineup, 
you're you might even tie in a large field tournament because other people are going to be playing those chalk one-offs in the chalk stacks well um, you're more you're, you're more likely not going to win that in order for that type of lineup to win it needs to, to score 320 points i mean like yeah. like because so many so much of the field has those points also so like a, a very a, a very common thing that uh top gpp players will say and and you'll you'll notice even if you go through results db and you notice especially on a on a game like uh nba or mlb that happens every day so you can kind of you get a large enough sample size you'll notice that the top ranked players on the rg leaderboard top 50 whatever good, good ones uh they don't have to be on the leaderboard to be good players but you know they tend to be uh win on slates where the chalk fails. Like if you're going to see the top ranked players coming in first place, it's typically on low scoring slates, high scoring slates in NBA. When the, when the GPP winning score has to be 430 points, most likely the person that wins is not going to be like a top GPP player because it, basically you have to jam in as much chalk as you can and get different in like some 1% spot that, who knows how to predict that? You have to get, you have to, you pretty much have to have the nuts at that. Like the nut, like the optimal uh, theoretical build is the winner. Like we see a lot of times in, in NFL, if you do the knapsack problem and just take exactly what happened and say, what is the highest scoring possible lineup? And let's say the GPP winning score was 240. There was probably a lineup that could have scored 280. Right. Like if you like, well, this guy who was 0.3% owned and this like if you put it together. So like you don't need the nuts nuts. But when all the chalk hits, you, you pretty much that optimal, that theoretical optimal that if, if we knew all the results beforehand, that's the highest amount of points you could ever get in packed into one lineup based on the results. It's going to be much closer. Right. It's going to be you're going you're to pretty much need that lineup. But when chalk fails, that doesn't mean you fail. All the chalk fails. But. When the scoring is lower, it gives yourself so much higher probability of winning without having to get the theoretical optimal lineup. We saw that one that one slate with Travis Fulgham and Chase Claypool, right? Out of the blue, you know, before we knew who they were, right? And someone had the two of them together and, and they're point nothing percent owned. Like that's, that's the only way that you, that, I mean, do you want to have to win that way? Or do you want to win in a way where, well, Derek Henry fails and I have this correlation here. And if I score 220 points, you can win a hundred thousand dollars. Like that, that's so much easier to do than I'm going to, I'm going to take all the projections and I'm just going to jam 150 chalk lineups in and hope that one of them, one of them is the nuts. The likelihood of it is lower and possibly tied with other lineups because other people do that. And then like, okay, this line had, I need to get 80th percentile outcomes from literally every player in my lineup. Because if I don't, if one of them has a 60th percentile outcome, nope, done, you're on 114th place. Like every one point less that you're having this chalky 180% cumulative ownership lineup, like you have, I mean, they have to be, the chalk has to be the nuts in every spot. And it's hard to win that way because other people have those pieces. So so I know we, we harp on these things over and over and over again. I say it on my streams. I say it in my course. It, it's not about winning in one week, right? We don't know what's going to happen in one in one. I don't know. Is, Derek, is this going to be the week Derek Henry puts up 202? Or is this the week where Henry puts up 80 and one? I don't know. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. It's a Jacksonville defense, whatever. But I'm just thinking in terms of if I played this out a thousand times, what would show me the most money? So I'm going to build that way. Now in NFL, we only have 17 weeks. So it's kind of hard because it's a small sample size. But once we get into NBA, I know Stevie, we're going to be starting up NBA in a uh, in regular season in eight, nine days. You know, you're going to be able to play every day, afternoon slates and whatever. So like you'll be able to see this a little bit more, more practically studying every day and go, oh, I noticed that, you know, when certain chalk, when chalk fails, like, like, hey, I could get a top 10 score. But when, if I try to jam in all the, on the slates where you need to jam in all the chalk and that happens to win, you'll notice like, dude, this, this, this how the hell, how do you, how do you get a 440 point score? Like, 
Like, I'm just never going to build that way. And just like, I, I know I'm losing those days and I don't care. Cause I'm going to play 150 slates throughout the course of a season. So those are the days that I just lose. That's perfectly fine. That's the point of the show, right? Like we do this on Monday every week. Um, because not, not because we want to sit here and talk about, Oh, this hit, this didn't hit. We're still trying to help you over the course of time, get better. Like, I do this show with Blender on Monday mornings because I want to try to help you get better. I had to learn this the hard way. Blender did this by researching, like downloading CSVs. I had to go back and like, I used to go back and look at, like I have, I found notebooks this past weekend in my garage. I was cleaning my garage. I found notebooks from like seven, eight, nine years ago where I would write down like top players lineups and like dissect them, like, and see what I was doing wrong at the time. So like we are trying to help you get better and NBA is coming up. NBA is one of the sports you can use correlation and get an edge on your field, like on the field by so much more. Um, you know, I think it's very important in as far as like correlating for basketball and football, baseball. I, I have like stack whoever you want. Um, as long as you're stacking. Yeah. There's like, stack whoever you want. There are still people that come to me and say, uh, is, it, is there a benefit to not stack? I'm like, why would you, why'd you would never, no, you always, you always, you always stack. <laughs> maybe on showdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe on smaller slates. Yeah. Okay. On smaller yeah. slates. Sure. Smaller you know, slates. correlation doesn't matter as much. Yeah. I get it. But on 13 game slates where they're like, oh, I'm just going to play a two, 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 one. I'm going to play, I'm going to play the good old Dino uh, one, 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 one stack. And yep. be like, 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 dude, what are you like? Yes, that could win today. But I mean, like in the long run, like that's a losing strategy. So like, why don't you just stack five guys from a team and then and, and go from that. Well, do I play the three on the other side? Like, whatever you want, as long as you're stacking five, at least you're doing more than, than anyone else than normally does on, on DK other than the sharper players. But like, it, it's already met. It, this stuff has already mathematically been analyzed. So, I mean, like we're, we're in it, we're in DFS. It's coming up to 2021. Stevie, you've been playing since it's came. I mean, DFS is 12 years old at this point. If you knew Stevie, if you knew, what you oh. know now, <laughs> Just, back in 2009 oh. playing, like you'd be sitting here in a mansion, right? Yeah, um, man, I wish, like, I, I wish, I, I, gosh, I wish. Um, and, and like, I was successful, like my, my second and third year moving forward. But right, like, my they, first... well, the edge back then, like if you had the information and you knew enough about sports, you could yeah. beat the brain dead people that didn't. But like, Imagine knowing like all the oh, data gosh, analysis man. and all the, all the projections and all the stuff that, that is available to us now. Imagine having that in 2011, like your name would yeah. be at the, you'd, you'd be, you'd be raking in everything. I mean, like, yeah, you'd lose, you'd lose plenty of days also, but like at the end of the year, you'd, you'd have six, seven figures. Like they're easy. I remember, I remember like STL cards was ahead of the game on FanDuel um, in baseball, like four, four stacking. And like he made a ton of money one season before everybody really like caught on to like four four stacking over there. So like, yeah, it's it's crazy. But we're gonna get out of here. Uh, week fourteen was fun. Like week fourteen was one of my favorite slates on the on the year going in, knowing that it was just such a great tournament slate. So, um, Jordan, anything else before we get out of here? No, I mean if if you want to learn more about uh, about about those types of concepts, I, I got I got a course as always, theoryofdfs.com and. It's 15 hours. It'll like, if you're still not grasping those, like the macro concepts of the game and they apply to all sports, you know, go, go, go check that out. It's like having me in your pocket and you could, uh, you could always listen and, and re re listen and, and have those fundamentals constantly, uh, you know, in your head reinforced and then play, you know, you listen, you play, you listen, you play, you listen, you play, you will get better. Yeah, and again, like if you're a subscriber here at Rotor Grinders, if you have premium, um, take advantage of Discord. Like Discord is just so like you have to take advantage of it. Like there's so much information that is you know exchanged in Discord. Um, I reply to just about anybody um, that messages me, and you know try to I reply, reply to everybody. Too many people. There are some people yeah. I probably shouldn't reply to. 
I feel like you may, you might be the only person that have more messages than me in Discord. You are like uh, PSU fans. Like I, I don't know. I have a lot. So, but either way, if you guys um, are a premium member here at Rotor Grinders, if you have a question about what we're talking about as well, um, you can do that. Like Jordan said, you can check out his book, theoryofdfs.com uh, slash masterclass. Um, they do a podcast as well. Was it once a week, right? Or is it yeah, twice about a week? once a week. Yeah, on my YouTube yeah. channel. And, yep, pie, so, and whatever search on itunes whatever whatever go to my twitter it's all there so whatever there you go uh that's gonna wrap it up here for week 14 we'll be back tomorrow talking esports we got a three game csgo slate that starts off the last big tournament of the year for csgo so we're gonna talk about that break that down talk about the tournament in general so make sure you guys are checking that out on tuesday uh good tournaments up on DraftKings and fandle for that so uh that's gonna wrap it up good luck in your contest and we'll see you again next week